0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. Well, good evening, everybody, and thank you for joining us tonight on this uh, beautiful Good Friday evening. It's a wonderful thing you've chosen to do tonight, to gather together. As the church does, really all over the world, when you think of the number of cultures where the gospel has has found its way, and has caused lives to change, and believers then come together on this day to celebrate the sacrifice that Jesus has offered for each one of us, uh, it's a pretty exciting thing we can do. But it's also very sombering because the events that we celebrate on Good Friday really are unimaginable. The thought that this Jesus of Nazareth would be executed Roman-style through crucifixion on the hills outside of Jerusalem. I don't think we could even imagine anything as cruel as what happened that night. There's four writers in the scripture that recorded the accounts of that night. They're in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each of them described the events. And each of them did it not just to record history, but to give a glimpse into what was truly happening as those historical events occurred. Here at Woodside, over the past six weeks or so, we've been looking at the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew's account of his words, uh, a discourse, a sermon that he gave to his disciples soon before, be, before his betrayal, uh, the Olivet Discourse. And, and soon after that is when Jesus entered into Jerusalem and, um, and then began the events that led up to this night of crucifixion. But as Matthew chronicles those events, he does it for a purpose. Matthew's gospel has as a purpose to present Jesus as a the promised king sent from God. That's why he wrote it. That's at the theme. If you, if you look at the Gospel of Matthew and you start to read, you see this is the genealogy of Jesus, son of David, son of Joseph. Why does it say he's son of David? Well, because David was king. And then the genealogy is given to show that Jesus was born into the lineage of the kings. Christmas time, we hear the stories of, of the birth of Jesus. And Matthew includes this account of how there is a star in the sky that men from the east, like Persia and India, they saw this star. They identified it as the star of the king. And they began a trip to Jerusalem because they had heard the prophecies of the king of the Jews that would be born and announced by a star. And then Matthew records the words of Jesus as he becomes an adult, words of the kingdom, as Jesus taught about what is the kingdom of God, how is, this, how is this like, and how can I be part of the kingdom of God? Matthew records the works of a king, as Jesus is shown as having power over the various forces of the world, the force of nature, the force of religion, the force of politics. Jesus showed kingdom over all of that. And then in the final chapters of Matthew, he records Jesus and the circumstances completely flipped upside down. Begins by describing Jesus coming into Jerusalem, about time to celebrate the Passover, and as Jesus walked towards Jerusalem, the crowds heard he was coming. They came out to the streets, and they welcomed him like a king. They, they, Jesus sat on a donkey, and they placed their palm branches and their robes on the ground and shouted, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. This must be the one that Zechariah talked about in the prophecies. And Then one of his followers betrays him into the hands of his enemies and the tragic events begin to occur. So Matthew presents him as the king sent from God. He then records various people that were there and helps express the opinions of these various people. So as we walk through the events tonight, you're going to hear different opinions. But the important thing to think about tonight is not what their opinion is. What we're going to challenge you with is what is your opinion of Jesus. So just kind of imagine this is kind of like a courtroom tonight where we're going to call witnesses recorded in Scripture and they're going to present to you. You'll hear their testimonies and their statements. and Consider yourselves men and women of the jury. And We're going to provide you an opportunity for you to deliberate as you personally wrestle with that question is Jesus? You see, Jesus asked Peter that question. Matthew records this conversation where Jesus looks at Peter and says, but Peter, who do you say that I am? And that's the question we ask tonight. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, who do you say Jesus is? Father, I pray blessing upon this experience tonight, Father, as we contemplate how your scripture records the events That we remember, I pray, Lord, that it wouldn't simply be a history lesson, it wouldn't be an interesting story, but we would be confronted truly with that question, who is Jesus to me, and how have I responded to him? So Lord, be with us, allow the songs to speak to our hearts, allow our hearts to receive the words that you have for us tonight, Father, and may we live a life that is consistent and faithful to our decision we make tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's begin to worship the King.
1: Sorrows, Lamb of God, by His own being strength, the sin. To the Father's will, he took a crown of thorns. Of sin has no hold on me, whom the Son.
2: let's step into Matthew chapter 27 Jesus is arrested by the Jewish leaders they examine him for hours he's been beaten he's been spit on And he's been viciously accused of blasphemy. His own people wanted to execute him. The only problem was only Rome had the authority of the death penalty. The governor, Pontius Pilate, agreed to hear the case. Matthew 27, now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, you have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. So Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. The crowd said, let him be crucified. And Pilate replied, why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, let him be crucified. Pilate's dilemma is this. Is Jesus innocent or guilty? Let's look at the accusations. First off, they accuse him of being a lawbreaker because on the Sabbath day, he heals people. A man will pick up his mat for the first time and walk in victory. but the religious call him a lawbreaker. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, but the people knew His father and his mother, Joseph and Mary. So they called him a liar. They accuse him also of neglecting ceremonial washings. Jesus replied and said, "Hey, it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth. And that is what defiles because it comes from your heart. Jesus was countercultural. Jesus claimed to forgive sins. And in their minds, only God could forgive sins. And that deserved the death penalty. In the background of this mounting tension, of this interrogation, Pilate's wife was deeply moved by a dream that she had gotten from the Lord. So she steps in and she warns Pilate. She said, have nothing to do with this man. He is a righteous man. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, what is your answer? Is Jesus innocent or guilty? Continuing in Matthew, so when Pilate saw that there was, he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and he washed his hands before the crowd. And he said, I am innocent of this man's good, of his good. I am innocent. See to it yourselves. And having scourged Jesus, Pilate delivered him to be crucified.
3: Continuing in Matthew 27, verses 27 to 31. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him. And they took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. And when they had crucified him over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. It's clear that the soldiers believed that Jesus was a criminal. That he was worthy of this kind of abuse and this kind of ridicule. You wouldn't treat a king like this. In fact, you wouldn't even treat an innocent citizen like this. So assumed to be a criminal, Jesus was nailed to the cross between two common thieves. But there were some extraordinary events that shook these battle-hardened soldiers' confidence and made them question this assumption. Back to Matthew 27, verses 45. And 51 through 54, now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And as Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit, behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. And the tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. The sun itself went dark. This happened at high noon. This can't just happen. Nobody stops the sun. The curtain in the temple that had separated people from the most holy place, this is where God's presence was manifested. Sinful people had to be kept away from a holy God, and this curtain was that separating point. But it tore. A curtain 60 feet tall and upwards of 4 inches thick tore from top to bottom. And the earth shook at this time, and graves were broken open. It would have caused even the most hardened of these battle-ready soldiers to stumble to their knees. Maybe one of these events by themselves could be explained away. But the most powerful forces of nature and of religion and of death were brought to their knees in the presence of this crucified convict. And it caused at least one soldier to conclude this is no criminal, this is the Son of God. But ladies and gentlemen of the jury, who do you say Jesus is? A criminal or a king?
1: Would you stand with us? Please be seated.
2: Let's now consider the witness of the crowd. Is Jesus crazy, or is he the Christ? Matthew 27, while Jesus hung on the cross, many people passed by and derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. Is he the king of Israel? Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. It's pretty clear that the people, what the people thought of Jesus. They assumed he was a crazy man, that he was trying to live out delusional claims that he couldn't back up. Matthew points out the irony of their statements. They quoted Jesus correctly. However, their understanding was flawed. It was skewed. By their darkened hearts, the destruction of the temple was the destruction of Jesus' body. They was offered for their sins. But ladies and gentlemen of the jury, who do you say Jesus is? Is he crazy? Or is he the Christ?
0: So we've we've heard from the from the governor, we've heard from the soldiers, you've heard from the crowd, but the reality is it doesn't really matter what other people think, right? I mean, what matters is who do you say Jesus is? That's what's going to make the difference for you. So Matthew's account of the cross reveals that Jesus is the Son of God the cross didn't destroy a king the cross revealed the king because as jesus laid down his life on the cross he was doing it in the form of a king a king who would conquer the enemy that nothing else had ever been able to again remember matthew presented jesus as the king as he was born He was worshipped as a king. As he lived, he taught as a king. He invited people into the kingdom. He did the works of a king. But at the cross, he conquered like a king. Oh, this is a different king than anyone had ever seen before. You think of most kings, and most kings take. This king gives. Ultimately, he gave his life. Now, how could that conquer any kingdom? Well, this kingdom that Jesus attacked at the cross was the greatest threat to humanity. This was the enemy of sin and death. This enemy couldn't be conquered by a political overthrow. It couldn't be won by establishing a new religious code of conduct. Or one more sacrifice of an animal to, to satisfy the gods. No, this, this could only be won by God himself. And as king of the world, Jesus took on flesh. He allowed himself to be betrayed and condemned as a criminal, as a crazy man but then laid his life down as he conquered the enemy. This enemy of death required the death of God. Jesus had said to the crowd earlier, he said, you'll destroy the temple three days I'll raise it again and now he lays his life down and as he did the wrath of God that has been directed at sin was directed to Jesus because as scripture says that all of our sin was placed upon him So he rightly absorbed the wrath of God that was rightly poured out on sin, because sin, in essence, is rebellion against the Creator. So when you choose and I choose to do selfishly or to speak cruelly, I'm choosing to rebel against the way of the King. I'm rebelling against God. And that's an offense to the king. It must be paid. In fact, the Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death. The soul that sins, it shall die. And so Jesus, being God himself, who loved humanity that he had created in his image, took our place, and he stepped in front of God's wrath and absorbed it for us. But something else was happening it wasn't just God's wrath it was God's mercy so as Jesus laid his life on the cross it was God's mercy that was being expressed we deserve to die we deserve to pay for our sin but God loved his world so much that he sent his son to die in our place because God wants to live with us forever And sin had separated us from him, and he wasn't satisfied with that. He knew that there was nothing that we could ever do to solve this problem. I mean, mankind, humanity is pretty impressive. I mean, think of all the things that we've discovered and we've developed. Look at the way that technology has changed our world over the past hundred years. But have we done anything to stop death? Oh, we've delayed it. I'm not so sure that we've extended quality of life, but we've extended the length of life by a few years. But even in Scripture that was written, what? The Psalms were written written almost 3,000 years ago. It says our lives are number about 75. We're not far off from that, the life expectancy right now. So what have we solved? Nothing. Only God can solve the problem of death. Death caused by sin. And he solved solved it as Jesus laid his life down on the cross. The cross, as someone has said, is where God's wrath and God's mercy meet. As Jesus laid his life down for us, he paid the price. Remember the story of the Jewish people who were slaves in Egypt for 400 years? And how God convinced Pharaoh through sending a death angel that would take the firstborn, take the lives of the firstborn all through Egypt. But God said, I will provide salvation for those that look to me. Gave them the instruction, take a spotless lamb and slay the lamb take the blood and put it on the doorpost so that when the angel passes over and he sees the blood, he will pass over your house and you'll be spared. So isn't it so interesting that God designed on this celebration of Passover in Jerusalem, the celebration of that event, that the Lamb of God gave his life as the perfect spotless lamb he gave his life so that all those who look to him by faith and belief, death will pass over. The scripture says that God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. For whoever believes in him is not condemned, but has eternal life. So the cross was a very intriguing and heart-wrenching experience for all those that witnessed. You heard from some of them tonight. Some claimed that Jesus was crazy. They mocked him and wagged their heads at him. Some mocked him by placing a crown of thorns and says, yes, I'm king, you are. Some washed his hands and said, I have nothing to do with him. Don't, don't record me as part of this. This is your, your issue. But really, what they have to think doesn't matter that much. The question is, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, who do you say Jesus is? Before Jesus gave his life on the cross, he spent the night with his disciples and at a very intimate time with them as they celebrated the Passover. And Jesus concluded the Passover in a very intriguing way. He took bread and he broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. He took the, the cup of wine that was at the table and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. In so doing, he was creating an ordinance or an instruction for the church, for all those that would believe in him, that often when you worship together, Spend time by breaking bread, reminding us of the broken body of Jesus. Spend time with the cup, reminding us of the the blood of Jesus that was, was spilt for us. And he said, for as often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death. The Apostle Paul taught this to the church. Do this often. And when you do, you're giving your verdict. You're making your statement. You are proclaiming. I don't know what other people are going to say. I don't know what other people are going to conclude. But my conclusion is Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's my Redeemer. He's my Savior. He's my friend. He's my Lord. He's my Master. And I proclaim him through this time. So we've set aside time in our service tonight for that very thing. The ushers are going to distribute now. little prepackaged containers of a, of a wafer of bread and a cup of juice. It's provided for you, and we'd encourage you if, as you, I'd encourage everyone to take one. And don't do anything with it now other than just hold on to that for a moment, because we want to give time for everybody to receive one. Having received one, then I want you to go into the chambers, and I... I want you there in the quietness of your seat to, thank you. I want you to take time to consider who you say Jesus is. This is him and you. All right, the lights are dark to help you forget everybody else that's here. Because in this jury deliberation, it doesn't matter what the group thinks. What God's concerned is, with is, what do you think? When Jesus said to Peter, Peter, what do, what do people say that I am? Peter said, well, some, some say you're a prophet, and some say you're John the Baptist, come from the dead. And then Jesus said to Peter, "But Peter, who, who do you say that I am? And that's the question that comes to you. So before you even open that, just going to ask you to take some time in the quietness of your heart right where you're seated and would you just speak to Jesus and hear from Jesus express to him in the quietness of your heart what you think of him to experience this time with us. And if you're at home or wherever you are, we encourage you to take a moment and go to your cupboard and find a loaf of bread go to your fridge or your spigot and just find a, a small beverage that you can use during this time. Those that are with us today, I encourage you, if if when hearing the evidence tonight and hearing the Spirit of God speak to you tonight, whisper His love and His grace and His mercy over you, I encourage you to take that little container we gave to you and, and remove that top layer, that cellophane that's there. that wafer I urge you to take that and remember as Jesus said to his disciples this is my body which is broken for you eat this in remembrance of me and as our statement of declaration coming out of our deliberation we say I believe that Jesus is the son of God eat it in remembrance of me talks about the new covenant. This is a special relationship between two parties. God being the initiator, as he reaches out to you and says, I want a relationship with you, a covenant relationship, something that can't be broken. And I'm purchasing this relationship through the blood of my son. So it's not your goodness. It's not because you cleaned up your life not because you're so gifted, religious, but it's because how much God loves you. He showed it by sending his son to the cross. His blood has purchased your freedom. And if you've deliberated and determined that Jesus Christ is the son of God, he's the redeemer of souls, and he is your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to take and drink in remembrance of Jesus. Father, we praise you for your unconditional love, and we declare together, Father, that your mercy is enough, that your grace is enough, and even though we still fail and falter and stumble, Father, your love continues, and that compels us to seek to walk more in step with you so that tomorrow we live more in the reign and the rule of Jesus. And so we love one another more faithfully because that's how the king loved. And we put aside the lust of the flesh. We push down the, the lust of things and the desire for material pleasures. Lord, we know that that's not where satisfaction comes, but it only comes in that personal relationship with the King. And we accept that. We step deeper into that. We love you so much for all you've done. Let's stand together. Let's allow Caitlin to lead us as we respond to Christ today. just a mental understanding it's a it's a life change that God's interested in I hope that as you've seen what great love that he has had for you that your life would be more and more in line with his will for you that's our prayer now the cross of Christ is incredible but you know the story didn't end there there's more of the story to tell that's what Sunday's about. We look forward to that day. We can gather here and declare that even the cross couldn't hold our God down. So we're going to celebrate that well. However, I would encourage you to maintain a spirit of maybe somberness as you go through this weekend. Because I think sometimes we just rush through this reality of Jesus died for me. Yes, but he lived. But let's allow just the seriousness of our sin and the power of his death to make a mark in our hearts. So let me ask God's blessing upon you as we just sang that his peace would be on us and then you can certainly be dismissed. Oh, one more thing I wanted to mention. Uh, We have placed giving boxes one back by the back windows and one here at the side those boxes are there to gather financial gifts that maybe you would like to give not to pay for church bills or expenses or anything like that these gifts all of them in entirety will go to the needs of people as Jesus demonstrated to us his love for one another we want to do the same thing so maybe, maybe that's how you want to respond tonight to his generous sacrifice for you by giving generously to the needs of somebody else that's going through crisis. So if you'd like to do that, you can place your gifts in those boxes. All right, let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful that you've allowed us the understanding that your Holy Spirit has entered our hearts to transform us from the inside out. Lord, I know my life is different because of it. I pray that all of us would walk in your peace, mercy and your grace, that it would mark us, Lord, that even as we gather with our families tonight, there will be something different because we've been with you, because we've been face to face with your love and your sacrifice. So be with us as we spend our night tonight and our day tomorrow. And then, Lord, as we gather on Sunday, Father, fill us with joy and confidence and jubilance as we celebrate your life. And your life giving us life we love you father thanks for all you've done in our presence today in jesus name we pray and all god's people said amen amen god bless you thanks for being with us tonight thank you for joining us as we study god's word together